Welcome to the We Earn Media Show, where each episode we talk with a media professional, like an editor or a journalist, deep dive into what makes a great and not so great PR journalist relationship. With me is the co-hostess with the most assist, <laughs> Britt Klotz. Welcome to the show, Britt. Thanks, Jackie. For today's show, we have a freelance journalist who spent about 15 years writing about money. If you've performed any sort of media relations in the personal finance space, there is a big possibility that you've pitched this person in the past. And honestly, it does seem like she's everywhere on the Internet. Her work has been featured on NPR, Forbes, The Hill, and CNBC, just to name a few. And her latest bylines are in U.S. News and Money Talks News. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Miranda Marquette. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Before we begin, I do want to say that I have worked with Miranda in the past at Student Loan Hero. Woo-woo! So, yeah, those were good times. They were good times. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. I have to admit to you, Miranda, when I found out you were joining the team, I, like, geeked out a little because... <laughs> I've told you in the past, so. <laughs> yeah, about moving. It was when you were doing the moving thing. Do you actually remember? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, that's yeah, amazing. <laughs> okay, that's pretty cool. I'm actually really impressed. I didn't know if I'd have to, like, remind you about that or not, but wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm very I mean, flattered. <laughs> I didn't use it because, like, it was two years too late, but. <laughs> <laughs> that's but, okay. I'm know. not taking it personally. You would not believe how often I email people and they just don't even respond. So. <laughs> You did respond, and I remember that, so. <laughs> I try if you seem nice. Oh, thank you. Anyway, let's get started. Um, do you want to kind of tell us a little bit about what you've been working on over the past year or so? Yeah, yeah. so so since uh, moving on from Student Loan Hero, I just continued my freelancing career, really. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, working on some other stuff, we're working on Freelance Writers Academy, so that's exciting, freelancewritersacademy.com, if you want to get a space because we haven't launched yet, <laughs> but that's kind of what I've been working on is getting that academy up and running, revamping my website and, you know, selling my podcast. So it's been kind of a crazy busy year. Wow. I feel like you're always busy. This is, <laughs> I feel like I'm always year. busy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so what's, um, what's freelance writers Academy? What is that? Yeah, so it's just going to be a place where if people want to learn how to be a freelance writer, if they want to take their freelance writing career to the next level, they'll be able to come take some courses, watch some webinars, do some Q&As, like we'll do some live Q&As. I just have a bunch of other really good resources kind of in one place where folks who would like to make money doing this can do it. And I'm actually working on it with two other SLH alums. So I'm working, I'm working on it with Ben Luthi and Kat Tratina, who are both also six-figure freelancers. So we're doing this sort of joint project together, the three of us. So it's very exciting. That is super exciting, and I think well overdue. You guys are literally like, you're the MVPs, so I think it only makes sense to collaborate and advise other freelance writers. That's pretty cool. Anyway, let's dive into this Investopedia story that you sent us. <laughs> yeah, very exciting topic. <laughs> plain vanilla bonds. <laughs> yeah, I love how you even just call it like plain vanilla bonds. Uh, Why they make that? <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> it is a thing. Do you want to tell us about the story? Yeah, I've actually worked a lot with this PR firm, Gregory FCA, that sent 
this over and I was actually worked with in the past. Her name was Lauren. She doesn't work at Gregory anymore, but she had talked to me in the past. She'd met with me in the past and just said, Hey, if you're ever looking for somebody to pitch, you know, for if you're looking for some people to give you quotes or whatever, you can contact me. And so I was assigned this story about bonds. <laughs> and so I contacted her and said, Hey, do you have anybody who can talk to me about bonds? And she gave me somebody who could. So it worked out really well. And so, yeah, so, and then I wrote about bonds. <laughs> like, and, <laughs> and so that was really good because it was one of those things where she had established a relationship with me before. I didn't have somebody I could go to and talk to about this subject. And I needed some quotes and I just went to this PR professional who had earned my trust and who hadn't been super pushy in the past and said, hey, do you have a client who can speak to this? And she found somebody. So that's, I mean, how that worked out. It was, it was pretty great. Question about that. Yeah. So the intro, I assume she probably listed some experts that she works with. Does she specialize in like personal finance type clients or... Yeah. Okay. So most of the clients she specializes in have to do with money, money or investing in some way. And so she approached me because she had looked, you know, was writing online and saw my name and she sent me an email and just said, Hey, this is who I am. I work with Gregory FCA. Just so you know, we have several clients who can speak to these topics, blah, 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 blah. These are the topics they can speak to. If you need any help with anything, let me know. And in the meantime, she would send me something interesting, like if something was interesting, like a story or something, she'd just send it to me, nothing high pressure, nothing really whatever. And then and then she also arranged like at FinCon to meet up with me, to be in person, to just kind of chat a little. So just stuff like that, where she was building a real relationship and sending interesting things. And and she never sent me anything that was just kind of out of left field, right? Like occasionally I'll yeah. get something, yeah, I'll get something from somebody about something that's only very tangentially related to personal finance or something that I'm covering, you know, it's like, let's talk about, <laughs> you know, or, or it'll be something like, you know, something really tangential and I'll just be like, no, <laughs> like, just no, or just, or they'll just come on hard with a pitch. Like, here's this thing. Call me now. Yeah, I don't know. Can I call, call you now? <laughs> or, or, or they'll do something like send me an email, then get into my Twitter DMs, then go find my Facebook, my Facebook business page. And message me there, send me a LinkedIn request. And it's just like, and now, like now I'm really not going to talk to you ever. <laughs> like, so oh God. I so have just, a quick question. Um, yeah. You mentioned that they, they call you or they ask you to give them a call. I've had some that say, yeah, can I call you about this? And it's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to be on the phone. No, no, okay. I don't. Okay. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't blame you. And I, that's what I thought was common knowledge. So it's, always shocking to me when I hear that. So I just wanted to back up for a second and make sure I heard that right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've actually had people like, can I call you about this? And then some have actually managed to find my actual phone number. Can I give you a call at <gasps> no. so did I set your phone number? And it's just like, no. That's <laughs> there creepy. Was one, <laughs> there was one time where somebody did actually just call and I didn't pick up because I didn't recognize the number. And when I went and listened to the message later, I was like, oh, somebody left a message. It's it's either a student loan scam or, <laughs> you know, or whatever. But I went and listened to the message and it was a PR person. Hey, I've been trying to get to you about talking to whoever about this thing. And I was right. like, no, just delete. <laughs> just, no. 
That's insane. I mean, like, how many emails do you get in a day, Miranda? Gosh, like from PR people? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So uh, pitches, I probably get about uh, probably like, oh, 15 to 20 probably pitches a day. I mean, that's that's a lot. A lot. I haven't, like, bothered to count <laughs> because a lot of the time it just goes straight to the trash. <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. I love that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I- <laughs> and sometimes they're repeats from people who have sent me stuff before, like, that I never answered. <laughs> like They just keep trying. They keep trying. Like, I'll get several follow. Oh, I know you're busy, but did you see my email? Oh, I know you're busy, but did you see my last three emails? Oh, I know you're busy, but I'm moving this. to. And, of course, since I use Gmail, like, I can see the conversation thing. And it's just them. Like, I'll have, I'll, like, by the, <laughs> by the time they finally get there, I've, I've got, it's, like, six email conversations. Just moving this to the top of your inbox. <laughs> you know, no. Amazing. Do you open every pitch email? No. I do not. Okay. When I you open don't blame one? you. Yeah. <laughs> when do you open it? Yeah. So what makes me open a pitch email uh, most of the time is any, anymore is if somebody actually like in the subject actually has something like expert to talk about X. And if it's a thing that's happening that I'm but that doesn't always get me to open it. Like if it's because oh, okay. part of it's sheer luck, right? Because if it's like expert to talk about coronavirus and the markets, like I may not open it, even though it's timely, unless I'm looking at sitting in my content calendar of assignments that I have is, oh, we would like an analysis of the coronavirus and the markets. Then I would be like, oh, yes, this matches. I will open that. So that's the problem, right? It's I mean, I'm sorry, ladies. Unfortunately, a lot of the time it's a crapshoot. I'm really sorry. Like, there's no, sadly, there's no surefire method for getting me to open it. If I know you, there's a better, like if I've met you in real life or if we've had other interactions in the past, there's a bigger chance I'll open it. And then also, if it's, you know, expert about X, like I said, and it's not only is it timely, but it's also something that I am currently working on. So that's, how often That's does that happen, thing. though? How often does somebody actually, like, just happen to sync, like, their pitch happens to sync up with your content calendar? Like, does almost, that actually? Almost never. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Like, I mean, no, I mean that's what this your best chance of <laughs> your best chance of getting me to open something is probably about like one in five chance. So it's still, you know, it's still like a pretty bad batting average. I'm sorry. Okay, noted. Don't pitch Miranda Marquette. That's just <laughs> right. Just don't pitch me. <laughs> that might be the name of this episode, actually. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair. Well, enough. I have a question about. The emails that you get related to experts, if you open one by chance and you see that it's an expert that you might want to reach out to in the future, do you organize it in a way that you can come back to it at that time? Yeah. So I actually have a folder in my email labeled sources. And that's Yeah. And so if I open it up, I'm like, oh, this is something, you know, if it's interest to me or if it's an expert on a topic that I cover fairly regularly, then I'll be like, oh, that might be useful for later. So then I'll mark it. And if it's a person that I think would be interesting, I'll actually respond to the PR professional, say, hey, thanks for this pitch. I'm not working on anything that this is good for right now, but in the future, I might come back to it. You know, like if it's somebody that I think I'm going to use later or that has the potential to be used later, then yeah, I'll respond back and I'll just be like, hey, you know, this somebody I might want to use later. It 
it's not a fit right now. And then I will put it, I will add it to my little label, my little folder in my email that sources. So I can go back through to it. And I've even got like sub, I've got sub labels under my sources that label them according to like specialty. So like student loans, investing, you know, that kind of stuff. So where like different types of finance, a career, college planning, all of that stuff, like I've got the subfolders under the other folder so that I can organize my sources kind of by broad topic. So what this is telling me that if I was listening to this podcast, sorry if you get a flood of emails that are literally in this format. All right. Well, <laughs> I thought the title of this episode was Don't Pitch Miranda. <laughs> yeah. If you dare to pitch Miranda, maybe the it makes, will be upon you. No. <laughs> Maybe the, the subject line would be less like, let's say somebody does know about the coronavirus and markets. Maybe you don't mention that, but maybe you talk about like the general topic of like, I don't know, markets or I don't know. Markets is a bad example, but like student loans, for instance, like if you have an actual, do you know what I mean? Like something that's more topically relevant, but broad, that way you can actually file them away. Cause if it's too specific, maybe that gets lost on you when you're looking at the subject line. That's just a oh, guess. Yeah. yeah. If it's something kind of too specific, then yeah, then, but I'd still, you know, file it away just in case, or there have been times where somebody's sent me something interesting and I've been able to pitch it. I don't do a lot of pitching. Most of my clients just make assignments, which is another reason why it's a crapshoot to try and pitch me. <laughs> but, yeah. occasionally, but occasionally I do make pitches and well, even even you, Jackie, have sent me interesting things where you've been like, hey, I have this story. It's kind of interesting. And I'm like, yes, that is that is kind of <laughs> kind interesting. Of interesting. <laughs> and I do know where I can pitch that. And I have a client that I pitch things to. So I will pitch it to that client. So there are things like that where it's like if it's particularly interesting or particularly timely and I have some time to pitch it, then I'll, you know, then I'll pitch it. But yeah, it's it's hard because it's trying to find that balance is is difficult. And then on top of that, every writer has their own preferences. Yeah. Right? We all have our own preferences and our own systems and our own ways of doing things. So it's it's actually really hard. And I feel bad for you guys a lot of the time. Thank you for feeling bad for us. I actually want to rant to you for a second. Um, we just had a really nice interview that Britt set up with Alan Henry. He's a um, New York Times editor. And uh, he uses a lot of freelance writers. And one of the things he said at the end of the episode, which I found interesting, was how freelance writers are the future of mass media and how, especially with all the layoffs happening, these editors are turning to freelance writers. And he was basically saying, like, don't discount relationship building with freelancers and you should get comfortable pitching them because you're going to probably have to eventually. But honestly, like you said, every writer is different and there's different levels of elusiveness. Like some people don't even have websites. They don't even have Twitters. I can't find their emails. And then I even a couple weeks ago pitched a freelancer and I guessed, I literally just guessed their Gmail. I just used their name at gmail.com and I immediately got a response from her being like, how did you find this email? <laughs> I mean, I use my name as well, so it's not that hard. <laughs> I, said, I told her, I was like, I guessed. <laughs> and she just, I don't even know if she responded at that point, but it's like, how the hell are we supposed to navigate the future? You know, I don't know if you know the answer to that question, but feel free to try to guess. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's a hard thing. That is a hard thing, right? Is because freelancers are more and more the, the wave of the future and mm -hmm. the problem, uh, especially with the way freelancing works today, particularly in financial media space, 
is most of us are actually just getting assignments. And here's the also sad thing is that most of the assignments are search engine optimized. So they're based around keywords or they're based around driving traffic or they're based around what's going to monetize whatever. And so, so that's the other problem you run into is that, and it makes it very hard for PR professionals because yeah, those are the realities of like the evolving landscape. And so often freelancers are just getting assignments and, you know, really it's, it's the sort of hit and miss thing where, uh, where you get this relationship with the, with a freelancer and then just hope that they remember you when they need a quote. <laughs> because, <laughs> because even free, right? Because even freelancers a lot of the time aren't making pitches. Like a right. lot of us aren't making pitches. Like maybe, maybe 10% of my stories are from pitches. Yeah, that's actually most maybe of, a little more than I thought. Yeah, it's like most of like the bulk of my stories are assignments. And a lot of the assignments I get don't require me to interview people. Right. So, so it's sad <laughs> and I'm sorry. <laughs> God, you're just disappointing me left and right here. I am. I am. This is, this is, <laughs> I am the Debbie Downer. It's what I do. I'm so sorry. No, but yeah, okay. we need but yeah, when it comes to freelancers, yes, your best bet is going to be cultivating good relationships with freelancers so that they'll come to you if they need, you know, if they are trying to find an expert. Okay. Well, you know, on the topic of relationship building, it sounds like you met up with Lauren at FinCon before, mm-hmm. or at least met with some of her clients. I assume you appreciate that kind of outreach. Although I will say I met you at a FinCon once and you were extremely busy. So I also could see the flip side of that, maybe not working out. So what are your um, thoughts and tips around that? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things with the FinCon thing was they did it in advance and we scheduled time to sit down. Like if, if you'd show up at FinCon and try, like try and get me specifically, it's just not going to happen. Uh, yeah. You have to do it in advance. But another thing they did too was when I was in Philadelphia, the offices were in Ardmore, which is not too far. And so just a nice little train ride. And so they invited me to their offices to like sit down and have a little like continental breakfast and meet some people on the team. Oh. And it was kind of fun, right? It was cool. kind of fun to sit down and talk to them and, and just kind of get to know them and just, you know, feel like they're real people. And, you know, sending something straight to the trash from somebody who feels like a real person is much harder. So, <laughs> yeah, and I'm not saying you have to try and bribe us with whatever, but at the same time, it's like, oh, well, when I get something from her, I know it's, yeah. you know, and, you know, one of the things that Lauren did was when she left that firm, she handed me off to another girl named Jen, who was also really great. And I think the most important thing was like, they built that relationship. I knew who they were. And when they send me something, I know they're not wasting my time. So, so that's kind of, you know, it's kind of like this long process. But yes, they took the time to say, hey, I want to meet you in person. Hey, let's talk about you your needs. And they would, and they asked me like, what do you need? What kind of stories are you working on? What kind of sources do you want? And when they send me a source name or when I ask for a source name, they never send me something that's wasting my time because they've already asked me what I want. So they send me what I want (laughs) rather than, you know, just randomly pitching me whatever. Mm, Actually, on the topic of experts now, so now I know you're mostly writing SEO driven posts, not every post, but a lot of them are. And so maybe you don't even have to interview an expert. Do you welcome 
Oh God, I hope nobody in SEO actually is listening to this podcast because I don't want to flood your inbox because <laughs> if somebody who quote unquote link builds listens to this, they might, depending on how you answer, of course. So maybe be right, careful right. how you answer this. But do you welcome pitches that involve like guides or any sort of content that could be linked to within a post you're working on? Or does that kind of crawl under your skin a little bit? So when people are like, so so here's the thing is like, I do like data. I do like data driven stories. I do like being able to link to a study. Good so yeah. So if somebody sends me a thing, it's just like, if they're just like study on X, like study on, you know, millennials and credit card use. Well, that's going to be interesting and I'll probably need it. So then I'll write back and say, hey, thanks for this. I'm not, you know, if I'm not working on anything right then, I'll be like, thanks for for this. I'm not working on anything right now, but I might link to it in the future. And then I'll have my little label money studies (laughs) and, you know, where I can look through interesting things that studies and surveys and things that are interesting like that. So, so it's kind of, once again, I mean, it's, it's all a mixed bag and it really is just kind of a hit and miss kind of thing because, on the one hand, yeah, I, I like these things, but and I'll probably link to them if they are relevant, but don't link to me and be like, oh, I read this thing that you wrote. Can you replace the link with this link? Then no, <laughs> just no. Just Classic. that's not that's just not going to happen. I read this thing you wrote and you cited X. Would you re- replace it with Y? No, no, I will not. So I've been asked to do that and I always say, no, I'm not going to waste anybody's time. That's a waste of time. Yeah. I mean, it's worked, unfortunately. That's why people are doing it. Somebody (laughs) blogged about it, of course, and said, this method really works, but it just screws everyone else over. But I do like that data driven stuff. And if it's in the subject line, you can be like, you know, new study on whatever X is, then yeah, there's a chance I'll save it for later. But once again, unfortunately, (laughs) it just... It all depends on what I've been assigned and what I'm working on. And so it's kind of a kind of a crapshoot. Yeah. Do you ever use Harrow at all? Um, I do. I use it less and less <laughs> as as we go on. Part of the issue with Harrow is starting to be a lot of PR people use Harrow, which is not, not totally great. problematic. But it's also not super great either from the standpoint of a lot of the time when a freelancer like me is using Harrow, what we are looking for is a quick quote or a quick, you know, a quick quote that we can just take from the email and then that we can use and that can be easily, you know, directly taken from like the person who said it, right? So if you're a PR person and like if I'm just like, hey, I need two quick quotes on X, from this expert, what I want is two quick paragraphs, like two quick quotes that I can just Mm -hmm. plug into the story I'm writing and send it off. And when a PR person messages me with, oh, I've got the perfect person to provide you with these quotes, call me when, you know. Uh. And now if I compare that response to expert person who sent me two quotes and who I don't have to call, I'm going to take the other one. I'm going to take the expert person who just sent me the quotes. And then the downside too is depending on like the publication's you know, fact-checking type requirements. Like if somebody sends me something from Harrow and they're an expert and I can go look at their page and I can look at their LinkedIn and they sent me their phone number and their email address, I can provide all of that to my editor without any trouble. Now, if a PR person sends me, here's some quotes from this person and some good quotes, 
I still have to go back and say, all right, how do I directly contact this person for my editor? Okay. I'm so glad sense? you pointed that out, actually. <laughs> we had this conversation with Casey Bond, and she told us that she really appreciates phone numbers and ways to contact the actual person. So similarly to what you just said, yes, and credentials. Yes, um, definitely credentials. Beyond that, what do you think about, like, when it comes to the quotes, how in-depth do you typically like them to be? Yeah, so, I mean, honestly, most of them don't need to be more than three or four sentences on each thing. Because, like, if, if I actually need to interview somebody, if I need something more in-depth, then I will ask, like, I need to interview somebody on this subject. And we need to have a phone call and we need to talk we need to have an interview, you know, like a real honest to goodness interview. So if I'm asking for quotes, then really, yeah, I just want three to five sentences on cut and dry. Yep. Cut and dry three to five sentences on what it is. Make sure the email includes how I can directly contact the person as well as their credentials because yeah. <laughs> so, so that's pretty much yeah. it. Yeah. If I need something more in depth, then I will in my request say, I need to talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. And that's where a PR person can actually really use Hero really well is if you're looking for with requests where people say, I need to talk to somebody. And that's when I'm more likely to answer a Hero request from a PR person is when mm -hmm. I've asked for an interviewee and then a PR person can say, hey, I can set you up with so-and-so. So that's where Harrow works best, I think, for freelancers and PR professionals. And I'll answer because, you know, I'm actually looking to talk to somebody and not just some quick hits. When you're qualifying the experts, what do you look for? Yeah, so, I, I mean, it's, gosh, <laughs> well, um, a lot of the time it's, it's somebody who has, like, actual credentials in a field or experience working in a field. So if I want tips on getting a loan, then I'm going to ask for a loan officer. If I want tips on buying a house, I'm going to ask for an actual real estate agent. If I want tips on investing, then I want somebody who either, who like maybe, you know, is head of trading for Schwab or whatever, <laughs> you know, like you want somebody, you know, I, I try and look for credible sources, which is kind of hilarious coming from me, right? Because, you know, I'm a finance expert now, right? And people... Expert asks the expert. Yeah, like people, <laughs> people ask me for stuff, but really, what are my credentials? Well, I write about money on the internet. Those are my credentials. <laughs> like, if I was actually looking to interview somebody about something, it probably wouldn't interview me, which is kind of weird. Whatever. Anyway, so, so I'm, I'm a little more picky sometimes, you know, you or really like. You have to be with editors, yeah. right? Yeah, like if you've got editors who want to vet your sources, then you want to make sure your sources are going to stand up to scrutiny. I've, you know, interviewed like professors of finance at X college or whatever. So, so it just really helps to have somebody who's like in the space, who has experience. And even if they don't have like a credential, like there are some people like you can say, oh, well, I've got a source who was actually like a hedge fund manager for a while. He's not a hedge fund manager anymore, but he used to be a hedge fund manager. And while he doesn't like have any sort of current official credential, he used to manage hedge funds. So. I That's how you start the article, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like former hedge fund manager so-and-so. So it's it's really kind of subjective in a lot of ways, but at the same time, you do definitely want somebody who's had experience in the space and who kind of has established 
some sort of expertise and isn't just, you know, you're just being paid to like place them somewhere. Uh, which is the majority of, I feel like people that are trying to get their name out there, a lot of them might not totally be well credentialed or useful for the media. And that's maybe right. a, a tough conversation. Some PR professionals maybe need to have with clients is figuring out how they can be helpful, I guess. I'm glad you mentioned the data thing. And I think to getting lucky is helpful. So just like literally a lot. I mean, it's kind of true. I don't know about you, Brett. I mean, I've talked to you about this like 50 billion times, the same story, but specifically about when I was working with that life hacker person, um, serendipity has just been, it's just taken a huge role in my professional life. And it's not to say that I'm not good at my job. Obviously I've earned some really good placements, but at the same time, a lot of the puzzle pieces were just like there for me. Like I either had a really good client who was definitely an expert on paper. I happened to just get lucky with this other writer who like, I've literally had writers be like, Whoa, what a what a crazy coincidence. I'm actually working on that. Like let's work together. So, you know, I totally see the role of just pure luck. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Really? Do you feel that way? Yeah, I do. I do feel that way. I think this necessary skill set maybe to end up being like getting lucky is probably identifying the right people to be reaching out to, uh, being patient and not discouraged. And like, I don't know, Miranda, I feel like a lot of the stuff you said that has worked, it's not that it worked overnight. It sounds like you've got labels in your email and it might be that you, you know, use a source later down, down the road. So what else can you do? I mean, I'm I'm hopeful we'll work together soon. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> That'd be but great. Can you talk to me about the labels in your email? Like, what labels do you have in relation to PR professionals? I'm curious. If yeah. you mind sharing. Yeah, so, well, mostly I just have, it's just stuff like, it's, I have, like, the broad label of, like, sources, and then underneath that label, I have, like, labels by category, like, credit cards, student loans, investing, you know, stuff like that. And then I also have, I have a label that says interesting studies. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. I mean, it's, it's not super amazing or anything like that. It's just, you know, but it well, is. Well, I think it's pretty amazing for us because that gives PR people a little bit of hope that um, even if you don't respond or you don't work with them right away, that maybe in the future, you know, but uh, yeah, have, right. Not I think everybody. it's so helpful. And I mean, yeah, I think you were just about to say this, Jacqueline, but yeah, so many people that we've talked to previously don't organize their inbox in that way. And if they need a source, it typically is something <laughs> that just comes to mind. Like, Yeah, they, they have to remember. Yeah, yeah. So that makes me happy <laughs> to hear. Yeah, you're not a total Debbie Downer, Miranda. I think <laughs> I think you're realistic, and I think you're honest. And I organized. Mean, and organized. <laughs> right, exactly, right. Do you think that, I mean, you've been in the industry for well over a decade, and you mentioned that, especially with freelance writers in the year 2020, and definitely for 2019, too, a lot of, the, you know, with the changing media, mediascape, yeah, that's a word, it has been more of thinking about SEO and keywords and writing stories around that. Would you say that your assignments have changed over time, like to reflect that? Like, do you think that maybe, sorry, now I'm kind of ranting, but bear with <laughs> That's me. okay. Go for it. Go for okay. it. Okay, cool. You might know where I'm going with this, but do you think that maybe five to 10 years ago, you would have needed more quotes and stuff 
and maybe even data for more fun, lighthearted pieces? Or has it always been kind of like this for you in terms of uh, content you're writing, I guess? Honestly, yes. So probably, probably, cool. <laughs> probably three to four <laughs> years ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably three to four years ago, I probably would have needed to, I, I probably would have needed to rely more on PR people. And I'm just now I rely less on PR people on, than I, <laughs> yeah, than I used to. I mean, it's just kind of, yeah, just kind of the way it's shaken out, unfortunately. So yeah. Well, I feel the same way. On my end, I've noticed a huge difference. And I don't know if you have, Britt. I'd be curious to hear about what you think about this. But I started doing PR more or less around 2010. I was still in school. I got my first, like, big girl job in 2012. But I can say that I feel like it was a lot easier to work with a journalist with, like, a simple piece of content or data. And, I mean, I think two things are at play here. A is that more PR professionals and content marketing specialists, yada, yada, whoever, whatever you want to call them. We call them earned media professionals here, hence the name We Are in Media. A lot of them have learned that journalists like those kinds of things. And so competition is up. And then secondly, like you said, the move over to SEO type content doesn't necessarily necessarily lend well to just a random interesting piece about, I don't know, the best places to retire or whatever. I mean, they have their purpose, but if you've got 50 people that are all kind of playing the same game. And then the need for it is even smaller. It's just, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of a weird, frustrating space right now. <laughs> I hope it changes eventually for, I, I, I don't know. I really can't even predict the future with this one. What do you think, Britt? <laughs> I think that, yeah, it, it used to be easier because, I mean, journalists and reporters weren't as inundated with pitches we're also outnumbering reporters and journalists ourselves, like PR people. Mm. Alan talked about this in our interview with him. Um, PR people outnumber journalists. And then there's also SEO and, and people are creating more quality content. Maybe that's me being optimistic and nice, but I think people are just creating more quality content now and, and we're being more crafty about that and sometimes that means that journalists are able to get sources themselves not necessarily need to rely on other PR people or maybe they have their own internal or in-house data teams or in-house designers who are investing time to create these stories themselves and not rely on companies so yeah I think it's definitely challenging but a fun challenge you find it fun. I'm just kidding. I find it fun too. <laughs> or else I wouldn't be doing this podcast. <laughs> this podcast is actually like therapeutic for me personally. And I think it's been a long time coming for sure. But <laughs> I think the nature of this job being so hard is part of the reason why I like having these conversations because like, I don't know, obviously like, I went into PR wanting to interact with people and work with them. And sometimes I don't always get the pleasure of having a conversation with a journalist. So, um, and living in games, if I lived in New York city, I would probably be like taking people out for coffee all the time. Obviously they would pay because you're not supposed to like bribe people, whatever. But you know, I think like, where was I going with this? I don't know. It's just, this is the fun part of the job, I guess. And I guess we have to create our own fun now. <laughs> <Do> you <laughs> uh, you, you kind of do. You really kind of right? do. 
Yeah, I'm okay with that. Um, do you ever have people inviting you out for coffee in – you're still in Idaho fall. Yeah, fall, yeah, right? so I'm in Idaho. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay, figured I'd ask. I wonder what PR people are out there that – I don't know. I don't know anything about Idaho Falls. But I guess people probably network with you at FinCon. Do you go to any other events or do you ever go out to, like, the city, the big cities to um, do work stuff and have PR professionals – Met you there? Uh, sometimes, actually, yeah. So I usually go to uh, New York City and Philadelphia at least once a year. And a lot of the time when my travel takes me out there, I don't hide it, right? I'm not, like, hiding the fact that my travel is taking me places. And so people will reach out and just be like, hey, I see that you're going to be in town. Can we meet up? So I've done that in the past. So, yeah. Uh, Who do you say yes to? Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, that's a good question because, like, uh, that's a really good question. I feel like you don't want to just meet up with anyone. Stranger danger, you know? Right, yeah. I, well, definitely in public spaces, for sure. Um, <laughs> not, and not at my Airbnb. Um, but. Take note. <laughs> no, I mean, just, just occasionally, like, or a lot of the time when I am in town for something, somebody I know might be having, like, it's a very common in the personal finance space to be, like, for there to be meetups or things going on. Like, for instance, you know, Plutus Voices for the Plutus Awards, you know, they're going to have, like, six events this year in different cities. I think one of them is going to be, I think there's one coming up in Phoenix and one coming up in Portland. And there'll definitely be one in New York City later. And I think they're having one in Detroit. So, like, if I were to go to Plutus Voices then that would be a good place to like maybe meet up with me and network with me there first, if that makes sense. Yeah. Or, you know, or there's always um, in New York City, there's always stuff going. My friend Shannon owns the financial gym and she's always got cool stuff going on at the financial gym. So love that place. Love that. place. Yeah, it's so great. So, so yeah, so sometimes a lot of the time my travel takes me to places where people in the space are already having a meetup or there's something going on. You know, sometimes I go to podcast movement. Sadly, I won't make it this year, but, you know, I've been known to go to podcast movement. And actually, I met people at the Lola retreat last year when I went to my friend Melanie does the Lola retreat. And when I went last year to the Lola retreat, I met people there. I went so, there. Yeah. One year. I love that event. I thought it was really intimate and fun. Yeah. And so that's a good kind of place too. I mean, you don't want to come on strong and just be like, we need to work together. Yeah. There's, yeah. Like there's a balance, but you know, just getting to know people as people, I think goes a long way, especially in this online world where there's just so much noise all the time and emails are coming left and right. And you know, what are you doing in my DMs? And so I think, get out of there. So I think that personal connection really does make a difference. Okay, that's cool. I think this is a good point to wrap up. I want to ask you, do you have any final words of wisdom for our audience before we end the episode? Yeah, uh, try to make those personal connections. And most of all, try to be useful. <laughs> and unfortunately, <laughs> it takes a lot of time like that kind of that kind of nurturing of a relationship takes time. And that's hard. Because I think the hardest thing that care professionals have it rough right now because you have to put in a lot of time to nurture these relationships and try and make it happen. And you're not going to get the hits you want, right? I mean, right. so it's hard because you have to decide like, well, do I just send out 200 email blasts? Like do I send an email blast to 200 people and hope that 10% of them bite? Or do I go develop a longstanding relationship with somebody who, you know, it might take some time to see results, 
but mm-hmm. you know, maybe down it's hard, right? So I, I do a little bit of both sometimes, which yes. I don't know what else to do, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. And, and the bottom line is, is it's like, there's a good chance that I'm probably just going to ditch your email in the trash. I'm sorry. It's, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Thanks for saying you're sorry. You don't have to be sorry, but we appreciate it. <laughs> but you are going to have like better luck if you can develop those personal relationships. And then also if you can actually speak to the need, right? To the need that they might have. That's good advice. I appreciate it. So there you have it. That was Miranda Barquet, everyone. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. Sorry I was depressing. Oh, it's okay. Oh, no. <laughs> Not at all. Final words of wisdom, just be useful. Be useful for, is probably the best advice. Yeah, definitely be yeah. useful. That's going to be it right there. Be useful. Cool. Well, cool. Thanks, Miranda. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Earn Media. If you head over to weearnmedia.com, you'll find a summary of the episode along with links to any of the resources and more information about our lovely guests and where you can find them online. If you have any topic suggestions or just general PR questions for us or future guests, email us at podcast at weearnmedia.com. Of course, you can also find us on social media. Our handle is at weearnmedia and we're on Twitter and Instagram.